Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of For the Love of the Horse, a podcast celebrating the thoroughbred. I'm Julianne Horseman and I'm proud to bring you good news stories and insights from the Equine Welfare and Rehoming Division of Racing New South Wales. Kirsty Douglas grew up on the back of an off-the-track thoroughbred and her passion for the breed has taken her all over the world, training with, supporting and preparing horses for Olympians. A gifted equestrian herself, Kirsty was ranked among the top 15 eventers in Australia and now manages Team Thoroughbred's Sydney equine welfare property, Bart's Farm. Here's our interview with Kirsty. <laughs> Kirsty, you've lived a life dedicated to horses. You've travelled the world with them and packed in so many experiences and achievements. I'm struggling to choose a starting point, but I think we'll go with a thoroughbred that's had a huge impact on you. Walk and tall. How did he come into your life? I found him by accident, actually. There were three of them that I went to look at and was advised not to take that horse. And so for some reason I did. He was also grey, which I fell in love with. He was a four-year-old, off the track, ready to start something new. And so I took him home and started the training process, I guess, on getting him to what level I could starting from basics groundwork with him he was quite highly strung getting him to relax and and enjoy a different way of going and a new career and went from there he was a nice type of horse could move and showed a lot of jumping ability so I went up the grades quite quickly with him eventing ended up being a super horse super super horse so I wanted this horse to be my top level career horse but my father was actually sick and died. We were going to lose the house so I contacted some Americans that I had spent some time with, David and Karen O'Connor. Karen got on a plane, came over and looked at him and purchased him. So he went to America, but part of that deal was I wanted to go with him. So I flew him to America for Karen O'Connor. That's Olympian Karen O'Connor, American Olympian. That's American Olympian Karen and David O'Connor have both done the most amazing team events, gold medals, world championships, Burleys, Badmintons, like the best, some of the best riders in the world, top level. It was an honour to really have someone like that wanting a horse that I had produced from scratch off the track thoroughbred to top level. Now he did do quite well in America, just one level down from top, from advanced. So he was an intermediate and won quite a big championships at that level. Then he did sustain a mild injury which stopped him going further but they then went to straight dressage on him as well because he was so versatile and such a good mover that he also went to top level dressage. Now I guess he would have passed along but this was you know 2004 I sold him over there so he certainly had a full career going from a racehorse to a top level eventer and then to a top level dressage horse. Jeez, what was it like working for Olympians? Did you feel the pressure? Yeah, look, to be perfectly honest with you, I've I've sort of been amongst those sort of people within Australia as well as travelling the world with 
the likes of David Green, who is an Australian Olympian, Rebel Morrow, who's an Australian Olympian, Shane Rose, obviously, we all know about. Then with Karen and David O'Connor over in America, I've tried to surround myself with people over the years of that calibre to always be improving as a rider myself. Then it's just a bonus, basically, to produce a horse to get to that level that these sort of people are wanting to ride. Did the O'Connors have many other thoroughbreds? Yes, they certainly did. They actually had two other Australian thoroughbreds that had previously been purchased. Wow, Um, that's incredible that they've chosen horses from the other side of the world as their elite competition horses. Yeah, the sport has changed slightly now, but the thoroughbred for years was exactly what we needed for high level or any level eventing with the three-day event. The O'Connors aren't the only Olympians you prepared thoroughbreds for. You also worked for David Green. And I hear you've got a bit of a funny story about getting stuck at an airport in Amsterdam with a horse. Yes, so he purchased a thoroughbred off the track. Part of my deal was to fly that horse to England. And then I spent 18 months with David Green training and competing in England. David paid, supposed to be a door-to-door service. You pay a agent to fly that horse from Australia. Australia to England. We chose to go via Amsterdam, fly to Amsterdam and then truck to into England. Now there was a bit of an issue with another horse on the on the plane that was a little travel sick. So we got held up in quarantine for quite some time with horses being tested, find out what was going on with them. That agent just stranded me basically, said I'm off to Ireland and I was literally left standing out the front of Amsterdam airport with a thoroughbred. And what did you do? Um, <laughs> whatever I could. It was freezing cold. I remember it was January, so we'd come out of the heat here to freezing cold in Amsterdam. One of the other horses that was on the plane, the owner of that gave us a rug and gave me a phone number on a horse hotel to basically go and stay with until I could organise another truck to do the rest of the trip into England. And did you make the destination eventually? A week later. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> a week later. It was three days in Amsterdam. Oh, what an adventure. I'm sure it was With a horse. <laughs> More recently, you sold another off-the-track thoroughbred to Australian Olympic eventer Rebel Morrow. Prince Shah Bell had gone through a few trainers but hadn't notched a place at the races. What made him stand out to you as a potential sport horse? I saw him in a yard. He was trotting around a yard in New South Wales just recently he was trotting around the yard and they weren't sure what to do with him and I said if he is looking for a home I'd be more than happy to take him he was tall elegant but quite a compact horse which is what I like not being very big myself I do quite like a taller horse but I don't like the longer horse to compete with and jump our sports getting quite technical so I just liked his type and just something about him and I guess all the horses I've had I don't go specifically looking for the perfect type I think it's more that horse that you just think there's something about it so he was one of those he was quite a tough cookie to start with but the time just again took my time a lot of groundwork with him then started jumping him took him out a few times just to get him to realize to relax started jumping him who showed amazing technique over over a fence 
So I got very excited about that horse. Then Rebel Morrow was down in New South Wales looking for a horse. Now I would have liked to have kept him for myself, but I also realized that that could potentially be an international horse. She purchased, we called him Max. She still has him and is loves him and is going really well with him up the grades of venting already with the hopes of him being an international horse. Oh, that's fantastic. Apart from those three, are there any other thoroughbreds you've had involvement with that have gone on to be successful off the track? Look, over the years, there's been many, possibly over 40, I would imagine easily that I've started from off the track, finishing their racing careers. I've gone looking for them to then retrain produce that's all we ever rode myself my husband all those eventing people for years all we ever wanted was the racehorse off the track to start their new careers to do something with my first one I was still in high school so he won stayed into school championships he was my first that led me into the off the track thoroughbred and how versatile they can be that he won eventing championships he won dressage championships then on to you know we've made careers over the years of finding these horses producing these horses and finding homes for them or a sport whatever level they can achieve what makes thoroughbreds so appealing to eventers um the endurance of the thoroughbred for many years is what we've needed in the eventing sport at, at certainly at high level the sport used to have a lot more of an endurance compound to it so we needed the thoroughbred knowing that they could go the distance and be competitive and tough and I think that's the reason the Australian thoroughbred was sought after overseas also is the Australian thoroughbred are tough they will just keep going for you so it's always trying to produce that horse that wants to do their job and loves their job and will do anything for you that's always been why we have loved the Australian thoroughbred to be top level performance horses What's your general method for retraining an off-the-track thoroughbred? What do you do first? Look, generally, I like to read the horses and spend quite a bit of time just watching them in the paddocks to start with, their own demeanour, their own process, thought process on how they're going to do that change of career. So then I'll strip it all back down to basics on the groundwork getting the horses to make the right decisions on what I'm asking them to do so that it becomes their own decision that they then want to do it not made to do it so I will start on the ground then start sort of a bit of free work a bit of lunge work then start obviously your basic flat work trying to teach them to be relaxed and stay confident in what they're doing then you you start with pole work to jumping logs to making it a bit fun for them as well to then before you start turning it into a career where they have to change their work ethic that it is about a job. What's the most important piece of advice you can give someone who's about to get their first off the track thoroughbred? Certainly get some educated help and the support to know that you can do these things with these horses, that you can change a horse's career, you can change the path that they've been on 
these thoroughbreds are so versatile to do anything from just groundwork to be dressage horses to be a top level eventers to be with amateur riders to be with elite riders like it's it's such a open-ended what you can do with these horses with majority of people given the right path that they take and the journey that they're on to get some help I still get help you know it's still bouncing ideas off people with every horse will have a different situation and and what's the best way we can deal with them that seems to be a pattern with uh, everyone I speak to that everyone needs help and get some other opinions along the way well and certainly it's a it's the you know I love this process I love this challenge and you'll always learn this is hence why I put myself all around the country and been all around the world and tried to be with the best people that I can take in as much knowledge as I can get and then figure out a way that works for me that I can stay confident with make the horses confident with what they're doing you'll always learn something from you'll never know from anybody yeah, absolutely. Do you have any thoroughbreds yourself at the moment? I do actually have a horse called Heads Will Roll who was by Dissident and he was a Gary Portelli trained horse. He was not the fastest on the racetrack, which suits me. He's a nice type of horse. He's got a very good brain. He's, so he's only just turned four and has just started as I say, that little bit of groundwork, a bit of pole work, jumped a few cross rails, jumped a few logs. He's now had a little bit of a spell again and he will be coming back into work ready to be hopefully a competitive horse this year. Oh, great. We'll have to keep an eye out for him. Now, you don't tell many people this, but just five years ago, you were ranked in the top 15 eventers in Australia behind big names like Shane Rose, Stuart Tinney, Tim Boland and Christine Bates. What sort of training and commitment was required to compete at that level? Look, it's it's my life. It's not a job to me. It's what I've always done. It's what I know. It's what I love. So to me, yes, I'm dedicated. Yes, I was very determined to be at that top level to produce horses. But to me, it wasn't hard work. It was what I love to do, what I got out of bed in the mornings to do. And because it is, it is intense to have a horse at that level. It is rain, hail or shine. They need exercising. They need training. They need veterinary routine care. When you get to high level, it's a full-time job just for one horse. So it's that daily, that daily routine of wanting to do it and wanting to be good at it is what has always kept me going. And what was your biggest achievement that year? Look, I've had, look, I've had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of big wins and a lot of devastating blows, which is unfortunately the horse world. But I had a horse that got very bad eye injury, did two surgeries, spent a lot of money in the end of that year he came back and won Adelaide so it's about the process it's about just keep going you know you can still do amazing things if you stick at it absolutely and uh, another job that you've had you worked at Kalora Lodge which is one of the premier breaking in spelling and pre-training facilities what did you do there? Michelle Lang and Pete McMahon, they run Kalora Lodge and Michelle's always been quite a good friend of mine through competition, basically, through show jumping. Whenever I need a job because I'm trying to produce horses, they've always 
let me come on board. So I've done everything for Kalora Lodge from cleaning stables to riding some pre-trainers to Michelle's show jumpers, whatever needed doing. They live sort of five minutes from where I was based in Queensland. So it was always a, a saviour a bit for me to be involved with them. Always knew I could rely on that and they could rely on me. Also, even when I wasn't working for them, they would ring me up with something needed desperately taking to a vet clinic or something and I would always jump on to help. To me, that's the horse world too is, you know, there's so many good people in the horse world that will do anything for you. Yes, it's a real community, isn't it? Definitely. You've also owned and operated a boutique thoroughbred spelling facility. Do you ever look at the horses when they came in and go, I want that one after racing? Well, that's how I got heads will roll off Gary (laughs) Portelli. He was a speller with me. He was pretty cool, customer, loved the fact that he would be the same from when he arrived to spell to when he left to go back training. So I loved his attitude, which is why when he retired from racing, I asked Gary what was the outcome, what what could we do? And his syndicate were more than happy for me to start his career. Oh, that's great. Now you're the manager here at Beautiful Barts Farm, which is one of Team Thoroughbred's main equine welfare properties. What drew you to working here? Look, I loved my spelling business, like I said, with the Thoroughbreds and following their careers as well on and off the track. But I spent a lot of time doing that myself and I was missing that connection with horsey people as well. So I really wanted to be a part of something amazing, which is why I applied for this job to be part of this. And I mean, this property is amazing and the history behind it with Bart Cummings. Basically, that's what drew me to be here, to be a part of this. What's the most satisfying part of your role? Look, I have only been here relatively short time. It's been a lot to get around the horses, to get to know each one individually. So the biggest thing is that we've rehomed a couple that have gone on to be amazing horses and the people love them. For instance, we've had one, he was an unnamed four-year-old, unbroken. He was by Danebra out of Pearl Pearl. We named him P and did a bit of groundwork with him, played with him in the round yard, started a little bit of gear on him. Now then we sold him to a young girl from Godolphin, rehomed him to, and she has now broken him in. Got a message from her the other day that she's absolutely in love with him, riding him around the property at Godolphin already, child riding, just loves him. So those are always the happy stories of the ones that we can rehome to go and do something else. Executive chairman was another one. Seeking affection was another one where the girls that were rehomed them, they loved them. And that's what you want, isn't it? A great outcome. And they're doing really well. To be loved and doing well in life after racing. Do you have a favourite horse here? Look, there's, there's so many that we do spend quite a lot of time with. Certainly we spend a lot of time with Happy Clapper and Red Cell, so they're, of course favorites but it is hard to pick a one favorite everyone's so different they've all got their little personalities there is one other horse here that I actually had he was spelling with me and then has had a little bit of a race career and then is now here and so I'm looking forward to bringing him into work within the next three months six months to then try and rehome him for a career after racing 
Great. And you've taken some horses out and about as well? Yes, Vashka. He went out to meet the children at Ranwick for a family day. Now, he just blew me away with his attitude that day. He was so good. It was that windy afternoon. There was a storm coming. There were kids and ponies and like a great family day out and Bashka took it all in his stride and was super, super chilled to take out, patting all the kids, kissing all the kids. So that was an amazing day. I bet the kids enjoyed it so much as well. What's the main misconception about thoroughbreds you want to set straight? I guess the biggest thing is for people to realise that the thoroughbred is so versatile after racing that they can do so much. These horses can have such a fulfilling career after racing, whether it's to an amateur rider or go to top level Olympian. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll tune in for the next one in the series. For now, please show your support and stay up to date with the latest Team Thoroughbred news by following us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.